0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Athlete Hackers podcast. I'm Chris Schrade.
1: And I'm Mark Spellman. And we're here with part two of our talk with Derek Needham. Thanks for coming back, Derek.
0: No problem. No problem. I think last time we left off, you started getting into some juicy Spellman stories.
2: <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I got a ton of those, man. Uh, but without them, I'm not here. I'll tell you that much.
1: And I appreciate that. But once again, I've I always said that the athlete does the work. I mean, you're the one that put in put in the time. I just gave you the process and the direction to go. So, I mean, there were 15 guys on your team. Not all of them will meet me at 7 o'clock in the morning during the season to get a lift in.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, you gave us the blueprint. I mean, like they say, you could take a horse to water. You can't make them drink it. So Sounds like he was be- giving
0: you the motivation too with those chin-up contests.
2: <laughs> he definitely gave me the motivation to, uh, to always either do one extra or don't complain about the work you have to do. Uh, that's, that's always been since Spellman. actually my mindset is if you tell me to do eight, I'm going to crank out a ninth or tenth one depending on how my arms feel, I can give you more maybe. Uh, if my, I'm tired at 25 and I get to 30, You got to get to that 30 because someone else will if you don't. So that's always my motivation. Uh for the kids, it doesn't always lead to championships because I didn't win a championship in college. But if you keep that process up, I won a lot of championships in Europe. So (laughs) I mean it doesn't, it doesn't, that's the thing too. It doesn't always lead to instant success. And we're in a weird time now where everything is instant and it's really like uh, demoralizing people and uh, demoralizing kids from their dreams, whether it be sports, business, or anything. They want it and they want it now, and it, it doesn't happen that way.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, and I, I think, think, go ahead. Well,
0: I think the thing with uh, when it comes to to workouts and you know expecting that this is going to get you a championship, that's the wrong mindset. Like that's that's just a prerequisite to be able to to bang and compete with the people that are also trying to win against you. You know, so if the kids are out there thinking that that's going to happen, you know, I do this and this is going to get me a championship. There's a lot more to do. That's just one little piece of the puzzle.
2: For sure it is. There's, there's, um, there's not a, a, a blueprint to to win a championship. They can show you what to do, but they can't show you instantly how to win a championship. There, there's never, there's so many variables that go into winning a championship, like injuries, The type of team you have, the timing of the injury, like so. There's no instant. I do this, I win championship. But a lot of guys see the end result and they don't understand the years that it took for someone to hold that championship up.
1: Yeah. Well, it's one of the things that we really have been hammering uh, with the podcast: is the process and embracing it, and uh, you know, not looking at the end result so much. But looking at uh, what it takes to get there and the steps that you need to take to get there. Now, with that being said, let's uh, dive a little more into your junior and senior year. I mean, you can still touch on your freshman and sophomore year, um, but I think junior, senior year was kind of when you had more of an epiphany about where you wanted to take your basketball career. I mean, you might have had those goals as a freshman to play professionally, but I think you really started seeing, started seeing some payoff your junior, senior year. Um, so, you know, freshman year you come in, you got uh, Sean Crawford and a couple other people that are up for the starting point guard position. Uh, you got a new coach, Coach Cooley, who's now at Providence, running the ship. And uh, take it from there, Mr. Needham. Um,
2: actually, <laughs> actually, my uh, freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year, I had no clue about European basketball. I, had, I didn't know it exist. I didn't know anyone who played it. It wasn't until my senior year when Rakim Sanders went to Israel to play basketball that I knew there was something outside the NBA that you could make money playing basketball. So growing up, I, I never met a professional basketball player that wasn't in the NBA. So there were no guys like, yeah, I just came back from Turkey or anything like that so yeah to me it was it was nba or go work a job get a job after college there yeah. was
0: that's, there was that's the same like thing that. with me when i graduated 2000 you know maybe was you graduate 2013 so, somewhere 13. Around there. so mm-hmm. 13 years before that was the same thing it was it was the nba or that was it
2: yeah so like even even one of the guys, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but he came back and he, I think he played for the Boston Celtics and he came back from, like, from Fairfield. So I'm like, all right, NBA. Like there was no comeback. I was in Europe. So I'm like, all right, cool. So my junior year, probably the best team that was ever at Fairfield, I would say. Um, we had five people go play European professional basketball. I was on that team. Um, we were loaded. We
1: Who was the five again?
2: Uh, Rakim, Ryan Olander, Rakim Sanders, Ryan Olander, Sean Crawford, Maurice Barrow, and me. We all went to go play in Europe. Play basketball. You and
1: Crawford were the starting backcourt? My junior year? Yeah. Me and,
2: Colin, me and Colin were the starting backcourt. Okay. So, Sean Crawford, hey, uh, by then he had accepted his rollback back point guard. He was good. We were, we were friends. Everyone hung out. There was no beef in there. So, we were rolling. Um, the most talent I've probably ever had in college by far. Uh, we had just got Desmond Wade in from uh, Houston, University of Houston. Yep. Rock Kim was now eligible to play um, from Boston College. So we were rolling. It didn't matter that we switched coaches because system wasn't, didn't matter. We were so talented, we didn't need to run a system. So Princeton offense didn't matter. We didn't need it. Go run, go shoot, go grab a rebound. End of the season comes uh, against Iona, right before the MAC tournament. I make a move, I roll my ankle. I don't care, I try to jump off of it. So I crack the uh, fifth metatarsal in my left foot. Uh, And in a moment, you don't know it's broken. You're thinking, all right, I roll my ankle. Uh, Mark Ayotte, take me up, let's go back out there. Uh, He taped me up, I'll go to step down, collapse. I'm like, man, this is weird. I'd never collapsed on a roll ankle before. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Get the x-ray after the game. You broke your foot. You cracked it in two different places. You need to get a screw surgery. Um, heartbroken because, of course, we had the, the most talent ever. We, uh, we hold our heads up. We get to the MAC tournament. We're rolling. Uh, Colin Nickerson plays an amazing game against Iona, who were the favorites. We knocked them off, so. We into we the championship game after our first two games. So I'm thinking, we in the championship game, it's over. We're going to win this. Like, we beat the best team. Who they thought through the best team was Iona. It's our trophy. I still to this day cannot tell you how we scored 42 points in the championship game. And Loyola, uh, Maryland scored 46. And we lost. That had to be the most helpless time as a basketball player that I ever experienced because I'm in a boot, and we lose the game by four points, and I know I can give you more than four points. Like, I know I got some
1: theories on why you lost. I got some theories on why we lost.
2: Give us one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: He's no longer longer the coach at
2: Fairfield. Of course, but, (laughs) but but like I was saying in the beginning, at that time. It didn't matter because we were super talented. We had every piece we needed. We could not score the ball that night. I would have put the night. I would have
1: put the ball in Rock's hand and and let it at that. For sure. I mean, best player, best player in the conference by far.
2: Yeah, just giving the ball, and get out the way. But we didn't. We lose by four points. It's the lowest scoring championship game I think in MAC history. And for the second time in my uh, college career, I walk off the floor and don't have the trophy. So I lost my freshman year in overtime to Siena, which was the dynasty at the time.
0: At Siena.
2: At Siena, losing overtime because we turned the ball over twice at the end of the game to let them tie it up. And then we lose by four, and I'm sitting helpless my junior year. Um, sophomore, that, year that,
1: sophomore year, I think we lost to St. Peter, Peter's, who won I the think. tournament.
2: Yeah. So that every, was- every, every team we lost to <laughs> in the turn no. tournament, which is unbelievable. But so that's what I want to say, like, it doesn't always, and I was still working hard, everything, but it just doesn't always lead to the championships, something can happen. So um, I go into the summertime, I believe I get to April, that boot comes off, <laughs> Spellman for the first time ever is telling me, Derek, relax. No, you can't run on a treadmill. No, you cannot go upstairs and shoot. Relax. I'm like Spelman, No, listen. I haven't been on the court. I haven't ran. I haven't tripped. No. No. I think I need to do some squats or something. Let me get. No. <laughs> so this is the first time in my life filming. Eric told me take it easy. Well, and this, and I'm revved
1: up, now. But I think that's what people need to understand, especially at the collegiate level. I mean, there are people around you that are, have your best interests at heart. You know, sure. I knew when I could. I knew when I could hit the gas pedal on you, and I knew when I had to pull the reins on you, um, because I knew how upset you were. Because I sat next to you that whole freaking tournament, um, yeah. in the boot, and I had to wear a freaking suit. Um, <laughs> so it was, you know, I, I knew I knew how upset you were about not being able to be on the court and losing that tournament by four points. But at the same point, when the boot came off, there were steps that we needed to take to ensure that you had a successful and productive senior year.
2: Yeah, I mean, for sure, you've been pushing me for three years. And you tell me to pull it back. I can tell you care, even though I'm like, no, nah, let's do this now. <laughs> but I could tell you care and you want to make sure it didn't happen again. Like we didn't ruin another year because I, I didn't want a red shirt for sure. I want to get in and get out. but. <laughs> He definitely he pulled me back. He, uh, he walked me through the process. He let me walk on the treadmill s- so slow that I almost fell asleep. I'm like, please, just let's crank it up a little bit. But going into that summer was, was really uh, like almost a revenge for me where I, I just wanted to get out there and prove people like I didn't lose it. I'm, I'm still the same me. Um, we lost a lot of our talent. A lot of our guys were seniors that junior year. So we lost Rakim. We lost... uh. I think we lost Desmond. I think we lost Sean Crawford had left. Um, Keith Matthews transferred. Because at this time, I started to understand the business aspect of uh, <laughs> college basketball. Seriously. Before, it was just basketball, basketball. Cooley, Cooley never – he showed me the business side sometimes. He was like, yo, Boston College offered me this amount. I'm leaving. Cool. We didn't leave. All right. That was after my freshman year. My sophomore year, Providence offered me this amount of money. I'm leaving. We came back. They doubled it. See you later, Cooley. All right, cool. But now uh, Sidney Johnson comes in from Princeton off the tournament and he kind of, uh, he let us, he tried to, to navigate us, but he understood that I still was Cooley's core my junior year. So it was kind of hard to not tell us what to do, but kind of build his system with all of Cooley's players and all Cooley's recruits. So he looked good that year. We wind up not winning the championship. Going into my senior year, you want to bring your guys in. you want to make your changes. So he started making a lot of his changes and, and Cooley's or Cooley's foundation was slowly deteriorating. My senior year, a lot of guys were gone. Um, we struggled a lot. We struggled a lot. We struggled a lot. My uh, senior year, we, we fought, we had a lot of rookies. We had a lot of, uh, guys who didn't quite understand or have that, uh, that swag that Cooley gave us cuz Cooley really put like we're Fairfield this kind of like preppy uptown you know rich kind of area but we coming out on the court we come in to destroy people we come in with that type of swag and you usually take your coaches swag to the games However your coaches you kind of mirror that on the court so we didn't really have that my uh my senior year it was too much of a mix between Sydney's guys and Cool, these guys trying to pull everybody along to what it used to be, to how we used to win a lot of games. So senior year, it was okay. It wasn't that good. Um, I recovered fully. Had a great time. Didn't get to the championship.
1: Met your wife.
2: Met my wife. <laughs> I, better, I better say that louder. Met my wife.
1: <laughs> but uh,
2: it, it was, was a, was weight a weight fun room, time.
1: Room, a weight room romance.
2: Yeah, I had to get it I had to get it right, right my uh my senior year. But uh it was good and that's when I really learned about European basketball because Rockim was overseas and I would call him like man, how is it over there? What's going on? What do I need to look for? Um, what do I need to worry about because when he first told me about European basketball, I started asking around it and the first thing guys told me was like, Man, be careful, they cutting guys like crazy in Europe. They send you home after the uh like the four months in December is the transfer window. Usually, guys are out of there. Like, they're cutting people like crazy.
0: Right in the middle yeah. of the season?
2: Yeah. So, every December is a transfer window in Europe where you can bring in new guys or you can cut some old guys. Just, it's basically the, uh, the time where you see how your team is doing. It's like the halfway point of the season.
0: And so, are there contracts involved? You guys yeah, have contracts?
2: Yeah. yeah. So, they can wage you and you'll get like severance pay. So, they'll pay like additional three months but they won't pay your full salary but so that's what i'm hearing and the best thing I, I learned was rakim told me he's like for point guards you need to only learn pick and rolls, how to play it and how to defend it he said once you learn that you'll be good don't worry about scoring he said you can score 10 points eight points four assists and they will love you he said but you need to know how to guard and play pick and roll so my senior year, that was my main thing of just learning that. And that was my introduction to European basketball, really.
0: And so take us through uh, the recruiting practice, or the, the recruiting for uh, professional basketball in Europe. What, uh, what's it look like? You finish your senior year. You go start going right into camps, or was that in the summer? How did that all play out?
2: So after your senior year, they have this uh, big senior tournament called Portsmouth where they, uh, they take like the top seniors in college. Uh, I didn't make it. I was like on the fence of, of getting the invitation. I didn't get it. So usually after that, that's where most of the agents are to see about NBA or European basketball. So I didn't make that. So I got a couple agents to uh, contact me after the season to let me know like um, we can take you here or there. Like for me, that was my first time like dealing with agents and for me, agents to me are liars. Like I don't you anything they tell and me. Disgusting I'm disgusting
0: the minute they open their mouth.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm like you're lying to me. Like you're gonna <laughs> tell me what I want to hear, just so I can sign that paper, and then you're gonna probably forget about me as soon as I sign that paper. You're gonna just throw me somewhere, and who
1: cares? do you, do, do you feel that there's any um, uh, similarities between uh, college assistant coaches and agents?
2: Yes, but uh, (laughs) agents agents are much better at their job of of persuading you than a college assistant coach
1: is. But you know what I'm saying is, like, during the recruiting process to go to a college, you might be dealing with an assistant coach. Like, in your case, you're dealing with Coach Simon, but he's not the head coach. Coach Cooley had to sign off on you. Um, For sure. And I'm sure Coach Simon told you how wonderful Fairfield was and all the other things that – somebody might tell a uh, an individual who who wants to play basketball but i think one of the things that i tell all the kids when they're doing the recruiting process you need to go to the school and make sure that you enjoy the school and the and where you are because like in your case your coach left i mean the guy the the, the staff that recruited you to play at fairfield left and and you wound up your last two years playing for a guy that you had no idea who he was and he had no idea who you were and you kind of had to reprove yourself your your junior and senior year to somebody you have no idea who he is.
2: Yeah, it's, that's why I said I started learning about the business when Sydney got there because I had no clue. I thought a coach recruits you. You go play for the coach. You're there for four years. He's there for four years. And it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a happy marriage. And when I started seeing my – my friend after my freshman year, I started seeing how Coach Clue was getting offers and stuff. I'm like, man, he's really thinking about leaving. But for the recruiting process, for sure, AAU, them guys are going to tell you, great game. We could really use you. They'll tell you anything. But you never know, the head coach might be looking at someone on the other court in your same position. So their job is really just to get basically a sheet of paper of all point guards, all small fours, all shooting guards. And then they start checking off the list of, okay, maybe we should take him, maybe we should take him. So there's no, there's no guarantee. There's no definite, but they always make it sound like if you go there, you're going to be the biggest star. Like they always make it sound like that. So for sure, when you get recruited, I would tell guys, if you know you're not the nationally ranked guy and you know, you're not like top 20 or something crazy like that, or you're going to go to this high division one, go to a school that you can play right away. Cause a lot of these guys will go to these schools for the name. They go to these schools just to say, I'm at Duke or I'm in North Carolina or whatever. And they'll sit three or four years because they're bringing in a five-star recruit every year. And now you're just being wasted away on the bench. But, yeah, you're wearing a jersey. It's, just, it's not helping your career at all. So I would just tell them, just go to a school where you feel like they're going to let you play and they can mold your game instead of going to a high Division One school where you're on TV every night passing out water.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you have you have the you have the chance you you make it to your junior year and all of a sudden they bring in four starters start four star freshmen that are going to just play one year and go to the NBA
2: yeah now you wasted a whole year that you can't register because you weren't injured you just sat there I mean huh? and that was that was my thing that I saw a little bit too uh, after I signed with Fairfield I had a really great senior year I started getting offers from like Washington Harvard called my house, they wanted me to come walk on. Uh, Memphis, after Derrick Rose was there, his brother talked to me, he wanted me to come. I'm like, you know, y'all know, gonna keep bringing me these five-star recruits. I'm not gonna sit on your bench. I'm trying to play basketball. I don't want to sit down.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you probably remember me saying this to a bunch of the guys in the weight room when they weren't wanting to get through the workout and get after it. There's a reason you're here at Fairfield. I mean, yeah. Coach Williams, Coach K, Coach Bayheim they didn't miss you on the recruiting trip. You're here because this is where you need to be.
2: They walk right past you. they walk right yeah. past me.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, fine. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be mean about it. It was just like when you're giving me an attitude about me trying to get you better and that and you know putting you through a workout and you don't want to do it, it's like you know there's a reason you're here, I mean, yeah. and not there
2: yeah, and it's 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 hard to see like you're Probably your first two years, it's really hard to see, even though you have senior nights. Like your junior year and your senior year, it really hits you on senior nights because you understand, like, okay, I just went to battle with this guy for three years. He might never play basketball professionally or in college again. Like, it's over. Like, he might just now come get a regular job, and we've been sweating in this weight room. We've been killing ourselves on the court in practice, and he literally has one more practice left, one more game left one more lift left so when you start seeing that type of stuff you start really seeing like man I, I should be taking this as serious as possible to either extend my basketball playing days or give it the best I had because it's no longer gonna be available to me
1: well and that's one of the things I would tell all freshmen I'm like listen it's gonna go this quick like the four years are gonna go by and and from the first day you step on this campus it's going to go by the snap of a finger and it's going to be your senior year and it's going to be senior night. And it's going to be your last game.
2: Yeah. The craziest thing that that you say that is Gene Doris always came in the library and talked to the athletes. And when he said that my freshman year, I'm like, man, it's going to be a long four years. My body hurt. I'm tired. Spelman killing me. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) He said that same exact speech my senior year. And I literally had deja vu like, whoa, it's over. This is my last summer, like i'm like that's crazy to me. like I was just sitting here laughing at him for saying that, and now he's saying that to me, and i 'm in my fourth season already like so that that's the biggest that's the biggest truth that people need to realize that four years flies by
0: I think that uh, you know that pays homage to what you were saying in the first episode when you were talking about the a u team and how everyone's trying to, you know, be a starter and they're trying to move teams. If they're, you know, they're not, they're not uh, on the starting five or whatever team they're currently playing for. Um, You know, this uh, it's, it's not important that you play for the, the top team or you go to the top college. What's important is that you get a scholarship somewhere, right? You get, two hundred thousand dollars basically in your pocket that you don't have to come out in debt you go and you get your education whether you're going to go on to play professionally or not um, it's hard until you get out into the working world to understand how much of a burden that is off your back and the people around you that love you to get that college scholarship somewhere get a good education and then be more, you have a better chance of getting a job once you get out. Yeah. And, and, and the world doesn't stop at the NBA. You know, there's a lot of other opportunities out there to play after college.
2: Yeah, bang. I think now because we have social media and all this stuff, when I, when I was in college, Instagram started my uh, end of my sophomore year, but it was only for iPhone. And by then, now it's, it's crazy. So you can see European basketball on like Instagram Sports Tondo and all, all this stuff. So you can see people actually playing besides in basketball, besides NBA. But the uh, scholarship part, man, I didn't realize how expensive Fairfield was. until how I think Spellman told me. Like, someone, we were complaining or something in the weight room. He's like, $50,000 a year? I'm like, what? I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, they're paying how much? I'm like, man, that's crazy. And I started looking up, like, when he said it, I started looking up, like, other schools, like, University of Illinois, $20,000. Uh, the other place, $15,000, $10,000. i am like, this school is $50,000 a year? And it went up every single year, tuition.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think, I think it, was, it was usually you guys complaining about having to do something, and I would remind you that your full scholarship was more than my salary. Yeah. Those yeah. would be those exact words. And you only had to work 20 hours a week. Yeah. And I was, we done, were 20, I was 20. done 20 hours by Wednesday.
2: <laughs> That's true. Because you had more Tuesday. than just the basketball team. <laughs> yeah. That makes so. sense. Well, yeah, that scholarship, man. I don't think people understand. If you have to pay that and then you get that, that student loan after you graduate and you think you made it and you say, I pay that debt off, you're contractually combined to them for almost 30 years after that to pay all that money.
1: Yeah, I it's wanted like buying to buy a house. It. Yeah, you you probably paid 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 for that house nicely without any student debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Man, I walked away from Fairfield a free man. I mean that's a blessing. I I don't think kids understand how much that how powerful that scholarship is.
1: I know you I know mama needs mama needs understands it. <laughs> uh, she she
2: understood it from she understood it from the beginning. I was the one that didn't understand. Until that number out there, I'm like, whoa! She never told me like, yeah, you can discuss your fifty thousand a semester. Like, what are you doing? Like, you need to be out here taking it serious. Until I heard that number, I'm like, Man, you can't mess this up.
1: When I, and I think, and I, I, I hopefully you remember this. I think it was your sophomore, might have been your junior summer. And we were coming down after having a meeting before the summer started, and I was like, listen, Derek you're going to win all the races and you're going to win every, all the competitions, but you need to understand that I'm going to yell at you because I know you could give me more. And the team needs to understand that if I'm expecting a higher level from the hardest working and best player on the team, that the other guys have to follow suit, you know? And I think everybody's seen it now, you know, with the episodes last night with Michael Jordan and uh, the last dance, you know, your expectations and his expectations of being the best that you can be were there to ensure that the team won championships or became the best that they could be. You know, one of the things that one of the things that um, you know I'm most proud of is to see the kind of father and husband that you are, and and you know how well you uh, are are with Michelle. And your children, you know, for me, that's how I win, because I I like to think that I had a little bit to do with that to to you know help you become the man and the husband and the father that you are. But also, you know, it I, I couldn't be prouder or happier for your basketball career. But as we know and we've touched on that, at some point, that's going to come to an end. And you and you being a husband and father, that's not going to end. So, you know, I. Talk a little bit about that, like how 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 the training and everything not only helped you with your basketball, but how you take that from on court to your everyday life.
2: (laughs) Your your training built this like it's seriously, it gave me the foundation and the discipline and the hard work to understand that. In a time of pandemic like this now, I don't have to panic. Like, I can relax and be with them because I've put in so much work that I, I've made us comfortable. So from you yelling at me and telling me, yo, I'm coming down on you. You're going to get the brunt of all of this yelling. Okay, that's cool. Because you yell at me and I don't say nothing. He got to take it. The next guy got to take it. He can't, he can't say a word. He can't, and nothing you can say because I'm taking it. You better take it. So, that, that example in leadership came from you, where I knew, all right, it may not fully be directed toward me, but they can hear it and they can understand it. Even though you're not yelling at them, they understand, oh, he can come my way the same type of way. And if he's yelling at the best player who's not slacking, who's trying to give it his all, I'm definitely going to get yelled at the same way. So, you laying that discipline and foundation, I just took that with me as soon as I left college because. I don't work out with personal strength coaches and basketball trainers. I take my same discipline I had from college that you built and I bring it with me overseas and that's built my life. It's 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 why people tell me, oh Derek, you self-discipline yourself. Like we don't need to be on you in a weight room. We don't have to check how many reps you did. Well, I'm pretty sure you did more than what we actually do. That came from you spells and that that led me to to not have to be so aggressive or so paranoid when I'm with my kids because I know I, I'm good right now. So I could chill with them and, and be like beauty and the beast almost where I'm killing myself early and then I go and roll around with those crazy people.
1: You're more you're more of the teacup. Yeah I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, <laughs> you're more of chill. I'm gentle. I'm <laughs> gentle. I'm gentle but in here I'm insane.
1: So I think Chris Chris would love to hear this. Give give your top three sp- Coach Spellman moments in your collegiate career?
0: (laughs) Number three. Oh, Oh,
2: we start for number three? Yeah,
0: go down. Yeah, yeah. Save the best for last. Uh, All right.
2: (laughs) Number three would have to be when I realized he was absolutely crazy when uh, him and our center, Anthony Johnson, got into it in the gym when we were starting to run. And of course, you know, Spellman touched the line. Whatever, you didn't touch the line. Touch the line. That one didn't count. And he wait to the end where your dog tire Like we finished. No, no, you got one more. You remember that seventh one? You didn't touch the line. That one didn't count. <laughs> cool. So there, I'm talking about this. This dude is huge. This dude is 6'9", 250. big shoulders,
0: country this, strong. This is the one they they refer to as Peanut.
2: Yes. This is a big dude. I'm like, I'm like, Spellman. I think this is the right fight you should pick with this guy. He's mad. He's tired. So I'm like, I don't care. You touch that line. And if they don't touch the line, you guys run again. So they getting into it. Peanuts angry. Like, they almost ready to fight. I'm like, spelling is not backing down. <laughs> like, like, me, I'd have like, you know what? You ran 10. It's over. You know, what? good job for today. So I'm like, nah. Thank you. Y'all got another one. Yeah, you got another one. You didn't touch that line, that's the time when you didn't die for that dead ball. That's the time when you didn't get back on that turnover when you could have got a block shot. That's the time you're not holding up that championship. So it's like, all right, this, this is serious. This dude, he is not playing. And now I understand you don't back down from the biggest dude in the room. Now who else is going to challenge you?
1: Nobody. I think everybody, nothing- I believe if you check that whole team, everybody sided with me too.
2: Yeah. Of course, like, you know, you know, but we're not going to say nothing to that big dude we're, <laughs>
1: we're
2: sitting there like man okay so that's when I knew Spelman was literally insane and the uh, second time where I'm like alright you know what this dude is a different level is every time we did the pulls like I told you we would get to our number Now nah, I think you guys got five more huh I'm talking about arms like you can't lift them, nothing. Nah, I think, I think you guys could do more. So he'll send like the guy who did the most to go back up there, crank them out until you can't go no more. I'm like, what do you mean till you can't? What's our number? See, we don't know until you can't go anymore. So we're doing pull ups and like slipping off the bar, trying to regrip our hands. We're trying to get to the top. So I'm like, don't worry, I'll grab your feet. You got some more in you. So now you're doing five extra on top of the extra with Spellman holding your feet but gently guiding you, but not trying to guide you up to the top. So you're really doing it on your own. Like, you don't even have to hold my legs at this point. Just let me die up here, please. With
0: hands like his, they're probably extra weight on your legs. (laughs) Yeah,
2: you just, like, try to hold your feet, like, come on, come on. I'm like, come on. All right. And then for me, like, the most insane time is the only time I ever threw up during a workout. I didn't understand who Spelman was at the time, so I'm in a cafeteria. I'm, I'm wolfing down. Sausage and eggs and bacon and pancakes. He said it's conditioning day. I'm already in condition. I'm already in great shape. I ate that 10 minutes before the conditioning started. Hmm. I walked out to that turf. We started doing relay 100 yard sprints. I don't even know what number I was on. I just know Spellman told me, don't throw up on my field. Go <laughs> throw up over there. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to throw up. This is over. I go throw up, your turn's coming up, you need to get on that line. What? It's over, I threw up, mission complete, it's over. Your turn's coming up, They get on that line. I get on the line, I'm still running after throwing up. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna be in the best shape of my life messing with this guy. It's, there's no way I cannot be in the best shape of my life. I, I never ate. 10 minutes out of the workout ever
0: again. <laughs> We're say pain is weakness leaving the body. Breakfast, the body. breakfast leaving the stomach is once
1: <laughs> you, you again. Saw... I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather you throw up than pass out. Yeah, but you just didn't want me to throw up on your field because
2: it would be in the way. <laughs> <laughs> throw up over there. And then get back on the line. We're not finished. Like you saw the eggs, you saw everything. It was it was fresh. <laughs> it
1: was fresh. I think one of the other stories, I think it was your senior year at the MAC tournament. I think our first game, I had a proper warm up. I got the full allotted time. The next game, I think I got 10 minutes. And then championship game, I got no time. And I think yeah. you and Colin and all the other seniors looked at me like, what the hell's going on? And I was like, I don't know what to tell you.
2: <laughs> yeah. The first game, we were one of the first teams playing because it's like the playing game. So do what you want, but it starts getting tighter and tighter. But I remember my senior year, uh, I was training in the gym for the MAC tournament, and you walked in there, like, "What are you doing?" And I was doing sixteens. I'm like, "Man, I'm getting ready. Like, I'm I'm trying to go at it." He's like, "Okay, continue." I'm like, "You don't understand that. That came from you." Like. I was sitting in my dorm room, like I'm ready for this MAC tournament. No, you're not ready. Let's go get in this room. Let's let's make sure we're in the best shape, best conditioning, so no matter 40 minutes overtime, you can play this game because this is your last time, your last MAC tournament. So I literally gave that my all. Spelman so just walked in, like, like you, you programmed it, like, like I was your 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 robot. Like, yep, <laughs> it's it's instilled in him. Well, he got man. it.
1: I mean, he yeah, that's, that's when I can walk away and be like, he's good. You yeah, you're like, like,
2: okay, continue. I'm like, he I understand. mean, I think,
1: I think your senior year, we wound up having our own schedule because the head coach would wind up canceling lifts weeks at a time.
2: Yeah.
1: Or giving, giving me 10 minutes to lift a team um, before or after. And you, you always I, – I remember your senior year, there was a game that we lost at home. I was like, what are you going to do? You're like, I'm going, I'm going back to the gym. I'm, I, got, I got 200 shots that I got to make because we yeah. lost. I was like, what? I was like, all right. And then I think after that, he's like, when are you going to be in tomorrow? I was like, I'll be in at six. He's like, all right, I'll see you there because you want to get lifting.
2: So. I got to watch the MMA wrestling matches.
1: <laughs> a big Chris mauling me. Yeah,
2: but, but that's how it had to be because I was so used to winning and so used to working hard that, if you weren't winning, work harder. I mean, there, there's no other option. It's, I think there's it,
0: something to be said, too. You know, it, the the workouts aren't just building muscle and cardio. They're building strength that you can't really define that's going to carry you through other things in life. Yes,
2: yeah, it's, it's more of a discipline than it is for your body. That it is for your mind to get up that early. Like, the hardest part is getting up. Once you're up, you're moving and grooving. But to get out of bed and... At 6 a.m., and see that clock, hey, man, I gotta get up. That's that's the hardest part. And once you do that routinely, and it's hard to make it a habit, but once you do it for a certain amount of time, it literally becomes more paranoid to sit in bed than it is to actually get out of bed. Like you could sit there, like, man, I should have been up five minutes ago. Let me get out of here. Then it is to lay in bed and be like, man, you know what? I'm just, I'm gonna take today off and relax a little bit. So that came from Spellman, seeing him give me workouts and, and doing MMA on the mat at the same time, getting his own workout or I'm on a treadmill. And he's on a stair stepper for already 30 minutes by the time I get in there full hoodie, drenched with a book sitting on the thing. I'm like, this guy is insane. So he didn't got his full workout and probably worked out the field hockey or whatever team first. And then I come in there and he's giving me a workout and still doing stair steppers.
0: You guys understand that was a workout for me too, trying to deal with him that whole time, right? I mean, for you sure, seen, you seen his cardio, you seen how strong he is. I had to deal with that every morning. You know, that was a workout for me.
2: <laughs> for sure, was well, because I'm pretty sure Spell was in there already, ready to go, and, and <laughs> he get he, he get evil thoughts when he's in that weight room, man.
1: <laughs> uh, man. I mean, once again, I think you know, you know, Jocko says discipline equals freedom. You and I spent a good two years together listening to E.T., um, the hip-hop preacher. Uh, you know, I don't know whether I brought him to your attention or you brought him to mine, but, you know, he's some somebody that I, I still listen to on a daily basis. And I think what uh, the young athletes that are listening to this and the parents that are listening to this need to understand where Derek is now didn't happen overnight or, and it didn't happen by accident. I mean, he's put in the work. He's put in the time. He's had a lot of successes, but I guarantee you he's fueled by the failures that he's had more than the successes he's had, you know, and, and that speaks to him not only as a person and an athlete, but it speaks to him as a husband and a father, you know, and, and I think, You know, I I always tell my athletes, especially the collegiate athletes, once you once you've given me four years of your life, I'm in your life forever, whether you like it or not, you know, and, and I, I I know you can attest to that because, well, I mean, whether I'm in your head or not, I'm that little, I'm that little devil on your shoulder. Why aren't you up yet, Derek? (laughs) It's (laughs) 6.05. I guarantee you the all-star, the the European all-star player is already up and doing his work. But. I, I think, you know, and, and Derek can talk about this with the time that we have left. The um process to getting to where he's at has not been overnight and he still has goals that he wants to achieve. So with that, Derek, what what's the future look like for you? What what are your goals and what what uh what what are you gonna do after basketball?
2: Well, for ET, you you uh you put me on ET, you blasted on the uh <laughs> on the speakers during our lifts. And the first thing that came on was uh, when you wanna succeed as bad as you wanna breathe, then you'll be successful. Never heard it until Spelman played. I'm like, that, that actually sounds insane. Like, that's crazy. And then the guy goes into talking about how he told the dude to come to the beach and he came in the suit and he told him, walk in the water. He's like, in my clothes? Say, said, go in the water. And he told him, keep going until your head is under. And And the guy goes out there and he comes up for breath. He said, now when you want to breathe as bad as you want to succeed, that's when you'd be successful. You'll do anything to get out of that water so you can get a breath of fresh air. It needs mm. to be the same way whether you're attacking a business meeting or you're attacking a basketball weightlifting program or a basketball workout or a game. It needs to be the same way. So you put me on uh, Eric Thomas. The
1: second Beautiful. question? Um, by the way, for those that are listening, if you want to check it out, go to YouTube. It's like a, 20 to 30 minute, um, his first, his first uh, presentation, he's doing it in a high school and I would blare it during uh, the team lift. So they had to listen to this guy talk about how bad you want to succeed during their lift. No music, just this guy yelling at them about how how important it is. If you want to succeed, you got to want it as bad as you want to breathe. That's Eric Thomas. Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher.
2: And he's he's huge right now, and yeah. this is when he first started. So this is eight years ago, nine years ago. I like no to think knew. we blew him up, <laughs> man. <laughs> so he now he's in NBA locker rooms, NFL locker rooms, MLB. He a millionaire. He's everywhere now. And this is and that's that was the only thing he had. Now he has like a million stuff. So yeah, yeah. go check that out.
1: He's intense. What what are your goals? What what keeps you going? And then what uh, do you foresee? Post basketball career. Uh,
2: uh goals right now, I'm only 29, so um I see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm like that tunnel's kind of far away. So I try to that. right now just keep the body uh as strong as possible. But uh just keep winning championships for right now. That's my uh near goal, my far goal. Um, I've been talking to Sean Crawford and we wanna take over Fairfield. We wanna get Fairfield back to where it was so we're uh, looking at ways to infiltrate and actually get back into basketball in the fairfield so i don't do that right away i do want to do uh, some type of coaching or uh, i don't i don't like i don't like training but i do want kids to understand basketball training because i feel like it's so saturated with bad basketball trainers and these parents are throwing their money away to, to, to people who the drills I'm seeing are ridiculous, right?
1: It's, they don't, it's, they don't carry over to the court.
2: It's, it's t- 12, 12 year olds doing like between the legs, behind the back, reverse layups. You're never getting away with that in basketball games. It's two dribbles and pass the basketball, three dribbles, get off the ball
0: people who do that at basketball games don't practice it. The creation process comes from just doing the basics.
2: Fundamentals turn into instinct on the court. There, yep. There's not, I'm going to do this in the game. It but also
1: work. remember what Rakim told you. What you, would what'd you need to learn? Pick, pick and roll, roll, how to guard it and how to
2: play it. That was it.
1: And the pick and roll is pretty much the first play you learn in basketball.
0: Yeah. But
2: now, now, now everyone is teaching uh, isolations. And it, it, it's driving me crazy. So, so that's kind of becoming my itch, but I do want to take over Fairfield's program eventually. Uh, head coach, Sean, assistant coach, my guy back in the gym. <laughs> and and we, we really want to turn it right back up. It was because those days were literally golden. And anytime I see someone from the East Coast and I tell them I went to Fairfield, the first thing they mention is that sophomore to senior year, that slot of Fairfield basketball. So hopefully I can get into that.
0: Awesome.
1: That'd be awesome, brother.
0: Well, Derek, thanks for coming on today. You're a great role model. I hope some of these kids take what you've said here today and, you know, turn it into their own thing.
1: Mark, I appreciate, appreciate you, you taking the time, D. If you need anything, hit me up and I'll take care of you. You know that. You give know, my best to shell. Hey, and mama, need. need. Come,
2: come your way after this pandemic. Get back in the gym. Get crazy.
1: Come
0: back <laughs> on the show, too.
2: For sure. Anytime you guys need me. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks, man. Everyone, uh, turn in next time, Athlete Hackers Podcast. I'm Chris Schrade.
1: I'm Mark Spellman. And be safe, be kind. All my best. God bless. See you. Peace. <laughs>